Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Broken, the next message in the Called series by Pastor Sean Wood. Let's pray as we prepare to come around God's Word. Father, we thank you that your Word is living and active. The words that I speak to you, says Jesus, are spirit and they are life. And so today, Holy Spirit, may you take those words through our ears and give us eyes to see, we ask in your glorious name. Amen. Okay, Uh, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, we'll start at Luke chapter 5, kind of makes it easy to flick if you're on digital, Uh, but if you're using the old uh, Moses type of version, uh, then you'll have to flick with me. We're going to move reasonably quickly. Uh, Some may have noticed that uh, uh, there's a loaf of bread up the front, a little bit more about that later. Uh, uh, Maybe you're thinking pastor's going to preach a long time, so he's brought a snack. Uh, 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 A part of that is true, and, and you can work that part out for yourself as we move along. Uh, if you've made your way to Luke chapter 5, we'll get there in a moment. I remember watching a uh, documentary about a guy by the name of Steve Monaghetti. Anybody know who Steve Monaghetti is? Yeah, one of Australia's greatest marathon runners, yeah. Uh, just before I left Lagana, we had a, a Scottish man by the name of Norm MacDonald. <laughs> Great old Scottish name. Uh, he was uh, in his late 80s. And uh, just before I left, I was talking to Norm and I said, mate, uh, what's the matter? You seem like something's up. And he says, well... He says, I've decided that next year I'm not going to run the City to Surf Marathon. First world problems, right? He says, because my times have begun to slip. Uh, My uh, lovely wife was recently back in Tasmania, visited Lagana. Norm said to say hello, and he's in his 90s, still running marathons. After watching the documentary on Steve Monaghetti, I came to two conclusions. First one was, uh, unless the police are chasing you, I see no productive reason to run at all. (laughs) Second one was that what Steve Monaghetti began to describe about the process of a marathon sounded a lot like the Christian life. You see, Steve Monaghetti was describing every marathon that he was training for, and he says, you know, you go through stages throughout the 40-odd kilometres. 40 kilometres. You've got to drink some special kind of kale juice to want to (laughs) run 40 kilometres just for pleasure. But he was describing the stages that you go through, and uh, he said two things are important. The first one is to know which stage you're in. And he said, the second one is, there's a really important stage in a marathon, it's called the wall. He said, and most marathon runners get to the wall and they stop. He said, at the wall, he said, everything inside of you and everything on the outside is screaming, stop running. For those that are wondering, I hit the wall about 30 seconds in. (laughs) Everything inside of me. But he says, if you break through the wall, he said, that's where marathon runners win races. And I was pondering that, thinking, you know what? That's a lot like the Christian life. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews says that uh, we should throw off every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race that is set before us. A little bit more about that in a moment. But running that race means that we all, like Steve Monaghetti, are in a race. And maybe just like Steve Monaghetti, maybe some of the most important things are to know where we're at because our Christian life has different kinds of stages that we go through. And, and sometimes just knowing where you're at can be very encouraging and, and, and can even guide our responses. We also came to realise that as we've been looking at men and women of the Bible, we've 
probably been unpacking the fact that every one of them would say there was a moment in their life where they hit the wall. And today I want to take you on the journey of one man and we'll have a look at his race and we'll have a look at the moment that he hit the wall and the good news this morning is what God has for each of us on the other side of the wall. The sad news is many Christians get to the wall and stop. For those that have made their way, you may know we're going to be talking about Peter the Apostle. A couple of things to know about Peter. Peter was a very holy man for one reason. He was a fisherman. Yeah. yeah. And he said some of the most holy words you'll find in the Gospels. I'm going fishing. <laughs> we'll get to those words later. But uh, Peter was a rough Galilean cussing fisherman. He could not read or he could not write. Isn't it interesting how when Jesus comes and says, I want to choose 12 men, 11 it would end up being, I want to choose 11 people that are going to be the pillars and the foundation of my first church. And he goes and chooses people that can't even read or write, uneducated people. We know Peter couldn't read or write because, uh, we'll touch on the Gospel of Mark later on, but uh, John Mark, an interesting guy, he writes the the Gospel of Mark from the lips of Peter. Uh, Peter, when he's uh, giving us his first and second epistle, profound epistles, he says, I write to you by the hand of Silvanus. In other words, I'm telling Silvanus what to write because I can't read or write. And here's something profound to note about Peter. Uh, He can't read or write. He's uneducated. He had a very certain spiritual gift. He didn't have foot and mouth disease. He could get both in at the same time and chew half of them off before he'd finished talking. But every one of the uh, lists of the disciples list Peter first. In fact, Matthew uses these words, first, Peter. That word first in the Greek means chief or leader. That's what Matthew's saying. Carton of wine, Mrs. Patch, carton of wine. Here's what Peter's saying. Matthew's saying of Peter, he's our leader. I wonder how many of us would have chosen Peter to be our leader, but Jesus did. To be a leader, and if only he had known what that journey was going to look like. As we go along this journey, along this race, a couple of things to note. First of all, uh, each and every one of us, Hebrews tells us this, uh, we have a race that is marked out before us. Uh, They're really profound words. Uh, When you grab the revelation of those words, it'll radically change your prayer life. Because what we begin to understand is we are not in control of the course of our lives. We're asked to run with faithfulness and perseverance. That's what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, run with perseverance the race that's marked out for you. I've got good news for you this morning. God has a race marked out for you. It's it's made up and comprised of certain stages and maybe by the time we move too far into this, you're going to say, you know what, Uh, we're actually doing laps. I've been here a number of times and when we get to the wall, I bet you there's people in this room will say, this is not my first rodeo. God's brought me here a few times. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth would say, before God brought me here, he has broken me a thousand times. Wow. What I love about God is there's always purpose. God's always looking beyond the wall and we'll get to that as we move along. Let's get to the first stage, Luke chapter 5. First stage I like to call is awakening. 
All of us have experienced this. There was a moment when the lights go on inside of us. Uh, Awakening is, is where it's all about seeing and it's all about revelation and it has a profound effect on our lives as we will see. Uh, For many of us that have come to faith in Christ and and we're following our Lord and Saviour, there was a moment in our lives when we heard a message and that message turned the lights on on the inside. And in a moment, God became a reality for us. We were awakened to the reality of God and we stepped into salvation. We were awakened to the reality of our sinful condition and how what a beautiful Saviour Jesus is. That's an awakening. It's where we see. It's where there's revelation. Uh, Let's have a look at what this looked like for Peter. Uh, Peter says, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, on one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Apparently it's a good fishing spot. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing the nets. Peter and John and James, they're going home. We've had enough. We've caught nothing. It's like fishing with my boys. We've caught nothing. We're going home. We're going to clean the nets. And why are you even washing the nets? Verse 3, getting into one of the boats. And this is profound. Because what we see on the outside is Jesus wants to get into Peter's boat but on the inside, he wants to intensely get into Peter's heart. Something happens to Peter on this boat that everybody else around him misses. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, a little bit more about the names later, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Anytime God asks us to do something, even though it goes contrary to common sense. Common sense isn't as common as you might think it is, but uh, these guys are saying, hang on a second, Lord. Well, they don't say Lord yet. Uh, verse 5, and Simon answered, Master, that'll change. Yep. Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. It's like fishing with Reuben. It's, it's a battle. Uh, but at your word, I love, the, I love that. But at your word. You know, we, we, we've been toiling all night. We've been working in our own efforts. We've put the nets down everywhere we know. But you know what? Because you said so, we're going to head out from the shore... And we're going to put that, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. It's like fishing with me. Uh, verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink. But something's about to happen to Peter. Have a listen to this. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. He's not focused on the fish anymore. There's a lot of money being brought into the boats right now and Peter could not care less. Here's what Peter's worried about. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He's gone from master to Lord. Something, he, he saw something nobody else on the boat saw. He had an awakening. He had a revelation. The revelation is you're holy, holy, holy and I'm sinful. Here's what Isaiah says, I dwell, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst men of unclean lips and God took an altar from the coal and touched his lips. And unless God touches us, Peter got it. Peter saw something. I'll happily stand here this morning and say there was a moment in my life when the lights went on on the inside and Jesus was real. 
God was real. And I love the words of C.S. Lewis where he says that Christianity is like the sun. I believe in Christianity like the sun, not just because I can see it, but because by it I can see everything. Here's what C.S. Lewis is saying. I can see the sun, yes, but because of Christianity, now everything makes sense. Peter had a revelation. Peter had an awakening. The wonderful thing is that as we read through the story of Peter, this, is not, this won't be his first right. He's going to do this a couple of times. In fact, uh, in the Gospel of John, we read about his brother Andrew, who John the Baptist says, you know, there's the Lamb of God. And so Andrew starts following Jesus. And then he runs up to Peter and says, hey, we've found the Messiah. And so Peter comes and, and Jesus says, uh, you are Simon Peter, but you be Simon, son of John, but you'll be called Peter. That happens 12 months before what we read here. The lights went on. Peter will have another awakening. Oh, how I long for this. Peter, James and John in chapter 17 of Matthew's Gospel, they're led up a high mountain, it says. Most likely Mount Hermon, which is a story for another day. But what happens on that mountain is Jesus is transfigured before them. That word transfigured in the Greek is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's what we describe what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Here's what, here's what Peter would say. Peter, in fact, he says about the glorious mountain where we beheld his majesty later on. He, he would say, uh, all you guys can see a caterpillar, but there was a moment in time when I saw the butterfly, when the curtain was dropped and I saw Jesus in all of his glory. I long for that. And I keep telling Jesus, you let Peter, a fisherman, okay, a couple of things in common already, you let Peter see that here on earth. And that wasn't the last one. There's many times when he would say, you know, Peter would say, I've had many times of, of deep revelation when, when I've seen God. It's the same for us. Sometimes God reveals himself as saviour and we step into salvation. Sometimes God reveals to us that he is our provider, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and he will provide all our needs. And sometimes he's Jehovah Rafika. He is the God who heals and, and we step into that revelation. But it's he that opens our, our eyes. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are blind. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will take of what is the Father and of me and make it real or testify to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in the room this morning. Peter in the book of Acts, uh, when we do our series on the book of Acts, which is coming up shortly, uh, one thing we need to know is chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Acts, wonderful chapters, but they're not the most important chapters. The pivotal chapter in the book of Acts is is Acts chapter 10 when Peter has another awakening and he realises, you know what, God has just shown me (laughs) that the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for everybody and God will make everybody clean because of the work of Christ. He has another awakening. As we're sitting here today, many of us would say, I've had moments like that in my life where, where I've seen God differently. And from there, like Peter, many of us move into the next stage. And Uh, The next stage, uh, if you want to follow me and flick through, we're going to flick over to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, The the next stage is what I like to call growth and commitment. 
It's where, yes, we have a moment of awakening. Yes, we have a moment where we see. And, and for those who were with us last week, we know when we looked at the story of Ezekiel that seeing comes before doing, that God reveals his glory and, and shines on us. Then we step into it. And that's what happens for Peter. Uh, Peter, uh, between uh, what's happened here and Matthew chapter 16, uh, these guys have journeyed with Christ. They've heard the parables. They've listened to his teaching. They've seen the miracles. They've seen people raised from the dead. That'll give you a different perspective. And now Jesus does something profound. And uh, as we go through, I've spoken about Matthew chapter 16 a number of times. And the reason is uh, I am convinced, not only myself, but all of us in this room, God has called me to help people answer the most important question in the universe. We're going to come to a question today, in a very short period of time, we're going to come to a question where how you answer this question determines your eternity. That's how important it is. Chapter 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, enormously important. Remember what Peter said in the boat, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I know who you are. I see you, Jesus. These guys are busy pulling in the fish. I see you, Jesus. I see you, and in a moment, I see myself too. Wow, that's a revelation. He says, I see you, Jesus. Then Jesus, after a period of time, takes them to Caesarea Philippi. And, and in that time, they've, uh, Jesus has sent them out two by two. And they've been, they've been preaching the gospel. They've been healing people and casting out demons. And everything's going really swimmingly for them. And now we come to the crux of the point when, when Jesus says, you know what? Here we are in Caesarea Philippi against the backdrop of all of the world's gods. You see, in Caesarea Philippi, at the northernmost part of Jewish influence, uh, what we see here is there was a temple built to the worship of the emperor, Roman emperor. Uh, every god was on display. You need to know something about the Romans. They're a little bit cuckoo. Uh, they had a god for everything. If you were brushing your teeth in Rome, there was a god of the toothbrush, a god of the water, and a god of the tooth. So <laughs> you had to do a fair bit of worship just to get your teeth clean in the morning. So I don't know how these guys functioned. But against all of that craziness... Hang on a second. Oh, we're living in Rome today. Did I miss that part out? Oh, people are worshipping many gods today. In pantheistic religions, there's something like three million deities. How do you get through the day? But against the backdrop of all the world's gods, Jesus wants to know something. Who does everybody say that I am, first of all? Like Jesus is on the stock market or something. Who does everybody say that I am? And they say, well, you know, some say, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist, and all of those answers are miraculous. Elijah's long dead, Jeremiah's long dead, and John the Baptist has paid the price for standing up for marriage. Interesting. Then Jesus goes on and has another question. Remember the boat, Peter? What's happened since the boat? Let's, let's find out. So he said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is the most important question in the universe. How anybody answers this question, who Jesus is, determines your eternity. Anything less than the divine Son of God, the only the Messiah, the way, not a way. He's the way, thank you, Kate. He's the way this morning. He's nothing less than the Son of Almighty God. Nothing less than that. And Simon Peter answered, love his answer. 
You are the Christ, not a Christ. You are the Christ. What happened in the boat? See, in growth and commitment, what happens is all of our faith and beliefs are cemented inside of us. It's like, okay, we've we've boxed everything up now. We're going to pour the cement and cement that. And that's what's happened for Peter. I've seen you, Jesus. I've heard you, Jesus. What happened in the boat? You're the Christ. There's no other. I I love the rest of this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, Today, people are worshipping many things they call gods and they're all going to shrines and monuments. No need to do that because our God is alive. He's not dead. And we we have a living hope. Why? Because we can pray to a God who is alive and is powerful today. He is, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We have a different hope, friends. And that's a powerful confession, but what it, what it highlights is that something has been sealed and stamped on the inside of Peter. Things are going well for Peter. Many of us will know this process. Many of us know this. If things are going well, I'm, I'm kind of active in ministry. Jesus has sent us out two by two. I'm, everything's going swimmingly. But then comes the wall. Most of us know what that wall looked like for Peter, but But let's unpack it in in Luke chapter 22, if you want to flick back to the Gospel of Luke. Some really interesting words here. Verse 31 will begin. Simon, Simon. It's not Peter yet. Jesus has said, you are Peter, but he's still calling him Simon. Wait for that one. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Now, I need to press the pause button because something really interesting is going on here. Uh, For those that have a good translation, uh, in the analogue that is, uh, a good translation, you'll probably have a footnote under that or around that word, you. And for our friends from the southern states of America, it sounds a little bit like... Yo, <laughs> you can't say it properly unless you're missing a few teeth. But uh, it says here, uh, Satan has demanded to have you all. First of all, Jesus is talking to all of the disciples. That's all you all. All you all, yeah. That he might have, ooh, this is getting uncomfortable. That he might sift you like wheat. You see, that word Satan has demanded, that word demanded means that he has requested God to release you out of his hand and place in the enemy's hand for a moment. That's why Jesus says to those that come to arrest him, now is your hour. (laughs) Make the most of it, champ, because you've got a limited space of time. Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. That word to sift means to to try us by inward agitation. And how is this going to play out for the disciples? Let's, let's, press, let's have a look at the context here. How is this all going to, how is this wall look like for the disciples? What it looks like is uh, everything they have cast their life on is about to be taken away in the natural. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Jesus is about to suffer. And all of their external circumstances are going to sift them and shake them. Starting to sound familiar to anybody in the room this morning. But now Jesus changes the focus. That he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. We're not talking to you all anymore. I'm talking to you, Peter. 
but I have prayed for you. Now, how many people, if you were Peter listening to that, going, oh, thank goodness, Jesus has prayed and he's going to take this away. Mm. Uh, Perhaps I should keep reading. Uh, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. You're going to hit the wall, Peter. You're going to hit the wall and I've prayed for you that you will endure and that you will go through the wall. In fact, that you will, something really important, let's keep reading. And when you have turned again, I love that phrase. When you have turned again, here's what Jesus is saying. Uh, Strengthen your brothers. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you come through the wall, Pete, I need you to go back and get your bros. You're going to go through some stuff. We're going to find out. Pete thinks he's all of that in a bucket of chips. Here's what he says. Lord, I'm ready. (laughs) You think you are. I've had moments and seasons in my life where I would have said the same as Peter. Lord, I'm ready. (laughs) Not yet, you're not. Uh, Peter... You're about to hit the wall. You're about to go through some stuff. You're not going to know some answers. You're not going to understand everything that's about to happen. But I need you to know I've prayed for you that you will endure. And when you get to the other side, I need you to do something for me, Pete. I need you to go back and get your brothers because all of you are going to be scattered apart from John. And you know what? Peter's got a lesson for all of us in the room. It's okay to cry sometimes. It's... It's okay to fail. Staying down's the problem. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Turns out he wasn't. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, uh, you will deny me, you will deny that you know me three times. We'll get to that in a moment. Can I just fast forward for a moment? Whenever we think Peter, we think Pentecost. And can I tell you that unless the rooster crows in your life, there's no Pentecost. Peter, by a charcoal fire, which is interesting, that Peter's warming himself by a charcoal fire and a, a girl comes up and says, you're one of them. Ah, no, I'm not one of them. Three times Peter has asked, you must be one of them. He says, no, I'm not. And it says that he even swears. In one tra- Peter swears and says, I am not one of them. Let's cut Peter a bit of slack. We've possibly done the same thing for our actions and our words over time. And uh, before we go, uh, Pete's got a lot to teach us on the other side of the wall, but all of us have possibly been at this place. And what it actually says is, uh, have a listen to this. Uh, Husbands, you might be able to identify this. And when the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, you know, sometimes you don't have to say anything. Imagine, with everything that's going on with Jesus, he takes the time to turn to Peter. I know what's going on with you right now, Pete. You've hit the wall. You thought you had it all together. You've made some mistakes. You've been overwhelmed by the circumstances around you. Here's what I love about God. It's never the end of your story. I... 
I invited Peter to come and preach this morning, but he's a bit busy. <laughs> uh, but if he did preach, and I, if I asked Peter, Peter, could you come and preach the gospel for us today? It'd be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. Two words. Peter would walk up the front here, he'd stand, and he would say, and Peter. Two of the most powerful words you find in the Gospel of Mark because what happens after he denies Christ is Jesus is raised from the dead and the women go to the tomb and Mark's Gospel tells us that an angel appears to them and says, you need to go and get the disciples and Peter. Don't forget Pete. I I, I need him. He's going to take the... He can't read or write, but he's going to take the Gospel to the Gentiles. That's my story, and I know it's most of our stories in this room, that most of us have had a moment in our lives when God has come and said, and? This is a place where God strips us of all of our worldly securities, It's a place where God strips us of all of our self-reliance and some people never make it through. And every stage as we work our way through awakening and as we go through growth and commitment and as we hit the wall, here's what God's trying to do. He's trying to bring us closer. He's trying to lift us higher. He wants us to go deeper. And so it's not the end of Peter's story. And if you're travelling with me, can you journey with me as we bring this almost to a close? We'll, we'll come to... There's two stages left that we'll move through briefly. Straight after this, uh, we read about the fact that Jesus... Uh, in John chapter 21, uh, you'll read that Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. Uh, good idea. When you don't know what else to do, go fishing. But then by a, interesting how God sets these things up, uh, Jesus lights another charcoal fire. The disciples have breakfast and when they've had breakfast, the conversation turns. How many of us are waiting, if you're one of the other disciples, how many of you are sitting there by that fire going, hey, what about, what about Peter? When are you going to bring it up? R- round about now. Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't mention the denial once. In fact, Jesus doesn't rub Peter's nose in the past at all. Jesus only talks about the present and the future. Thank you, Jesus. So today, the only conversation God wants to have with you is concerning your present and concerning your future. The enemy is the one that wants to talk about your past. He can talk to himself. Let's keep moving. Uh, Chapter 21, verse 15. Now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Hang on a second. Stop the boat. Make your mind up, Jesus. Is it Simon, son of John? Is it the old cussing Galilean fisherman? Or is it Peter the rock and the pillar of the first church? A great question, wrong person. Who is it, Peter? Are you Simon, son of John, or are you going to come through the wall? Uh, Are you going to step into what God has for you, Peter, and straight after the war, we reach one of the most important places in our lives, it's called surrender. It's where God stripped away, in surrender, you realise that you're not in control and you're happy about that, you're okay with that. 
because you've got a greater revelation of who God is. Uh, in surrender, you raise the right flag and you... Here's what happens in surrender. Uh, your prayer list isn't you sliding a piece of paper full of requests across the table. Uh, at surrender, you slide an empty piece of paper across the table and say, you fill in the blanks, Lord. I'm out of control. Here's what it looked like for Peter. A massive power shift. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon, son of John, do you agapeo me more than these? Agapeo is a verb, but it's got some really important stuff to teach us this morning. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You see, phileo is a, a, an affectionate friendship kind of love and Jesus is calling Peter deeper. I need you to come deeper, but you've got to surrender, Peter. You've got to give up. Uh, here's what agapeo love looks like. Uh, uh, the only way we can understand how we relate to God and what God is calling us to, he has given us that analogy in marriage. And almost 50 years ago, there was a moment when Terry looked longingly into Lynn's eyes. And he said, I agapeo you. And here's what he meant by that. Lynn, I prefer you above and beyond every other person. And I commit myself fully to you. Here's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Yes, Peter, you're my friend and you've got the engagement ring on, but it's time for you to say, I do. It's time for you to surrender. It's time for you to meet me at the altar, Peter, and say, you agapeo me and you prefer me above anything and everything else and that you are fully committed to me. It's time to surrender. And here's, life is going to look different for Peter. Here's how Paul described it. Anybody ever heard those verses in Corinthians where Paul says that Christ always leads us in triumphal procession? Doesn't that sound glorious? Doesn't it? Yeah, and we all get up and dance. Yes, we're in the victory. Let me describe to you what a triumphal procession is. In Roman wartime, a triumphal procession was when a victorious general would return to Rome in an enormous parade. And the parade would start with him at the front in all his regalia and the poor horse, right? But all of his regalia, he'd be marching at the front and then he'd have all of his soldiers and right at the end of the procession would be his triumphal procession. And here's what that triumphal procession says. Uh, He would bring people back from the place that he had conquered and he would lead them in a triumphal procession proclaiming that he had conquered them, proclaiming that he had victory over them. Here's what Paul says. Uh, These are interesting words. Uh, He always, Christ, leads us in triumphal procession because he has conquered us. But something really amazing happened in Peter and Paul. They said, we want to go to the end of the line. We want to. We're bond servants. God has conquered us and we surrender And we're in his triumphal procession. Life looked different for Peter. Uh, Jesus says, we'll get about it. This is what I've called you to do. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. A story for another day. Uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. (laughs) 
Your life's not your own anymore, Peter. Why? Because when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. What's Jesus saying? There's going to be a time when you're going to pay the price for me. Your life is not your own. Then there's the last stage. This one's really exciting. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come. We're going to finish with a song this morning. There's a, there's a miracle in the Bible. So this isn't a snack, in case you're wondering. And for the, anybody that's got to vac the floors this week, God bless you, my child. But there's a parable which highlights what happens in Peter and what I believe God has for individuals in this church and this church. I believe God is taking this church to this place. What happens is Jesus has been teaching and preaching for a long time and the crowds have begun to follow him. And Jesus turns around to his disciples after they've said to him, you know what, we're going to send these guys away. They're hungry. Uh, I love this. Here's a message to the church in the 21st century. Uh, You give them something to eat. And they come to Jesus and they say, hey, we've only got two fish. Now, admittedly, my fish can feed about 5,000, but... But they came and said, we've only got, we've only got two fish and, and five loaves. Now, most of us know that you've got five loaves and two fish, you might be able to feed a family, right? Can't even feed one of my boys. Here's what Jesus says. Bring it to me. Surrender it to me. You know, the most important thing this morning isn't what you've got. Because Peter didn't have anything. The most important thing this morning is whose hands you put it in. I remember sharing this at the SU sports camp. When I played football, I used to think I was pretty good, but <laughs> reality, re- reality hits. You put a football in my hand, it's worth about 50 bucks. You put a football in the hand of Gary Ablett Jr., it's worth about half a million a year. Uh, Brother Mark, you put a golf club in my hand, it's worth about 100 bucks. Not one of yours, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you put a golf club in the hands of Tiger Woods, it's worth millions. And What we see on the outside is a miracle, but what Jesus is teaching us is a wonderful, beautiful spiritual principle. Is that when the disciples come and surrender what they have, and they put it in Christ's hand, Jesus does something very profound with it. He takes that bread, and he lifts it up to heaven, and he breaks it. Just like that. And when he's broken the bread, it then feeds thousands. The spiritual principle is multiplication comes after the breaking. You know, as a, as a church, we might feed a family. But if we're willing to surrender ourselves into the hands of Christ, He can feed millions we can't do it and you know what the wall is confronting the wall is tough giving up and surrendering everything into the hands of Christ can be very hard but on the other side 
Christ may break us, but he desires to feed multitudes through us. We started with awakening. We moved into some growth and commitment and then we hit the wall. On the other side of the wall, Jesus called us to surrender what it is that we have. And and when we place our lives fully into his hands, because that's what Jesus is asking Peter in in John. Put your your whole life in my hands, Peter. And, And when we do that, through the breaking, comes multiplication. We're going to finish with a song this morning. And you know what? I don't really care what the clock says. If you need prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you. If you just want to come out the front and worship and lift your hands to an almighty, awesome God this morning, maybe you just as an act before him, maybe this morning you just want to raise your hands and come down the front and say, I place my life in your hands. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, I love what Ecclesiastes teaches us. It's a message for us this morning, and the message is simply this. We don't know what the future holds, but we gloriously know the one who holds the future. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would take this church, every one of us, Lord, as confronting as it is, but Lord, take us through the wall that we may bring our brothers and sisters through, that Lord, you may feed the multitudes through us. Father, I thank you that our lives are in your hands. And this morning we trust you. And Lord, We finish with a song that is our prayer. How great is our God. This morning, let's let's finish with a song and stand. Thank you, worship team. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook, at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.